G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. You know, I've always said that people will forget great wins. They'll forget forehands and backhands Hmm. and great serves and great points. But if you touch a person's life, particularly for Christ, it will stay with that person not only through the rest of this life, but on into eternity. And that that is so much more. That is so much greater than than any tournament victory and any French Open and any Grand Slam and than any ranking you could ever possibly get. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, a special treat today, a conversation with tennis great Michael Chang, who won the 1989 French Open when he was only 17 years old. He went on to be inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame, despite being shorter than virtually all of his opponents. He'll share the role his faith has played in his life and how it's helped him to overcome adversity. Michael's sharing his story with Eric Scatterbo. You have had a wonderful tennis career, at one point rising to number two in the rankings, and we kind of want to go over your tennis career, and I thought it would be interesting to start off with your breakthrough performance going all the way back to 1989. You were just 17 years old in the French Open and playing against tennis great Ivan Lendl. I was wondering if you could take us back to that match. Wow. Um, Well, I have to say that the... The French Open in '89 was, um, you know, certainly a, a very special tournament. Um, you know, I feel like it was a lot more things um, going on just besides, you know, me playing in Paris. Um, certainly was a lot more than than just, um, you know, Michael Chang winning the French Open. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, for a lot of people they can recall that um, uh, the situation actually in Tiananmen Square was going on. Mm. Uh, so I found myself, um, my mom had, was traveling with me at the time, and so you know, if we weren't out practicing or playing a match we would certainly be be glued to um, the television set watching cnn and watching the things unfold there in beijing and um you know obviously the the tournament was certainly not a tournament that i expected to win and it's certainly not a tournament that um i was supposed to win by any means and uh you know i really feel like the last you know four matches were were really kind of played on inspiration including the match with uh with lendl um you know i was down two sets to love and uh, came back, won the third and fourth set, and by the end of the fourth set, actually, I started to to cramp pretty severely. Hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of odd because I've gone back to to look at that videotape, and even after I viewed the videotape, I still can't really comprehend how I was able to to win that match. And um, you know, I kind of uh, uh, I don't know. It's it's tough to to explain, but I really feel like God had a much uh, greater purpose in 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 all of that and bringing me through that match and. And in the uh, you know the quarterfinal match, I had a, uh, a tough match with Ronald Agenor. Mm-hmm. Um, we were a set apiece, and I was completely losing the the momentum. I was down a break in the in the third set, and all of a sudden it rained, hmm. uh, just out of nowhere. It just started raining. And we went back in the locker room, got an opportunity to kind of regroup and settle in again, and came back out firing and able to get through that match. Had another tough match in the semifinals, and then in the finals, it was. You know, won the first set actually pretty comfortably against Edberg. Um, lost the next two, and I saved like 
like 12 or 14 break points in the fourth set, hmm. which was unheard of, and then um, uh, was able to, to win the, the fifth set 6-2. But, you know, by all means, uh, you know, not easy matches. Um, but hmm. I felt like through it all, you know, I feel like, you know, the purpose really for me to, to win was to put a smile upon Chinese people's faces uh, around the world during a time when there wasn't a whole lot to smile about. Wow. And, um, you know, for me to, to have an opportunity, obviously, coming from, um, you know, from Chinese descent, mm-hmm. um, you know, makes a, a, a bigger impact in that regard. And, um, you know, I had an opportunity on that final Sunday to to be able to address the crowd and be able to say, you know, God bless each and every one of you, especially those in China. The, the strange thing was that the day that I won on June 4th uh, in Paris was the same exact day that they had the crackdown in, um, mm. in Tiananmen. So, um, you know, I knew that there was a, a much greater purpose. Um, you know, once everything had kind of settled in and looking back upon it, you know, it was very much a fairy tale, but, uh, you know, also a, a, a difficult time uh, and a sad time um, in, in many ways, too. Well, I guess one thing that would come to my mind is how could you focus when all that was going on? You're only 17 years old at that point, going up against, you know, the, the greats of tennis. That in itself is kind of mind-boggling. I mean, how do you keep your composure, you know, when Yvonne Lendl is across the court from you? I think part of that actually may actually come from experience because, um, you know, being very young and, and also not being of a, a very big stature. Um, yeah, that's another factor. I didn't even mention that. You're only 5'9 against these tennis players who are, you know, usually about six foot plus. Yeah, actually, the average height now for guys in the top 100 is about 6'2". Oh, wow. Um, we've got some guys that are bordering your basketball height. <laughs> but, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, definitely one of the, the smaller players out there. Um, you know, but, you know, I think it's just one of those things. You know, you, you, you're you you're given a certain body type and you're given certain talents and and it's not really our job to be able to say, well, you know, who gets what, but you just go out and you make the most out of out of whatever talent that you've been you've been given. And um, you know, for for me and in, in my experience, uh, it's for me to play guys that are older or stronger or uh, you know, or taller or bigger is is not something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've done that pretty much all my life, and certainly throughout the juniors. So it would almost be more awkward for me to play somebody my own height <laughs> than to play against somebody who was, you know, 6'2 or 6'3, um, you know, it would be bombing serves and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if that sounds odd or not, but, hmm. um, you know, when you get out on tour, you just don't have a whole lot of guys that are that are very small anymore. So, and certainly not a whole lot back then. So what is your edge? Is it strategy? Is it like a chess game? I think tennis w- will always be a chess game. Um you know, you can be very strong, you can hit the ball very hard, but tennis is still very um, very much a thinking man's game. There's mm-hmm. always ways to uh, to get around the power, um, and uh, certainly, you know, with every strength um, that somebody has, there's always a weakness. And I think that one of my strengths, um, certainly the ability to be able to move, move the ball around and to be able to move around the court, um, anticipate, use my quickness in many ways, but I think also... Um, you know, having the ability to be able to go out and really fight, um, fight hard, and not be afraid to to go into the you know uh, a very long match or, or know that a match is going to you know take a, a lot of time and a lot of effort in order to be able to um, to pull out a, a win. Um, you know, I think that 
you have obviously in life and and not just on the tennis court but off the tennis court where you're going to have struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, the French Open, and particularly my match with Lendl, actually was an incredible lesson for me. Um, mm, tell us a lot about of people that. Don't, yeah, a lot of people actually don't know this. Um, in fact, I didn't didn't really share it with the with the press people. Um, but actually, I share it quite a bit now with um, a lot of people that I, I speak to. Um, you know, I was cramping in the at the end of the fourth set, and then um, actually at two one in the fifth set. Uh, the cramps just started to get pretty severe to the point where I was thinking, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to, to win this match and hmm. certainly not, might not even be able to finish this match. And and so I started thinking to myself, you know, it might not be a bad thing if I just called it a day and, and just kind of threw in the towel and said, you know, I'm sorry, but I can't finish. Hmm. And certainly being 17 years old, nobody would really, I don't think nobody would really question me. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd probably just pat me on the back and say, you know, good effort for taking the, the world's number one to five sets. And so, uh, you know, at 2-1 in the fifth set, I started to actually walk to the chair umpire to tell him that, you know, I'm sorry, I can't play anymore. And then I got to that service line, and um, something stirred inside me. Um, you know, I, I really kind of feel like it was um, it was the Lord basically kind of telling me, you know, Michael, don't do it. And in my mind and in my heart, I was kind of like, well, what's the difference? I'm not going to be able to win anyways. Um, and all of a sudden, it, it, uh, it really dawned on me, it really hit me that... Uh, for me, um, my job out there was not worrying about the winning and losing, but my job was to go out and to finish the race. Mm. And for me, at that time, at that point in time, um, in that situation, that was my race to finish. And it also dawned on me that, uh, you know, if I quit this one time, how much easier is it going to be for me to quit the second, third, fourth, fifth time? Mm. Um, and that makes a huge difference, uh, especially in, in, a, in a sport like tennis, where you're not going to win all the matches very easily. You've got to fight. You've got to learn to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to be able to win every single match, certainly, but uh, but there are matches that you're going to be able to pull out. And so for me, um, you know, certainly if I had given up at that point in time, I would not be the person that I am um, today and certainly would not be the player um, that I was on tour. Uh, but to be able to have that experience, to be able to say, okay, I'll just continue to fight and just take it point by point, and all of a sudden those points be turn into games, games turn into sets. You know, all of a sudden, before I know it, a few days later, I've won the French Open. Hmm. And so that would be a great reminder for me, both on and off the court during difficulties, during struggles, um, to be reminded of that and to be reminded the importance of not quitting, mm-hmm. um, the importance of being able to, to stand your ground and to be able to say, okay, well, if I fall down, I've got to pick myself back up and try again. I'm just curious to know, how did you win if you were in such physical pain against one of the greatest players ever? I think for me, uh, certainly going out there and, and you know, hitting a lot of loop balls, basically if I, if I had an opportunity to go for a winner, I would just go for it. Mm-hmm. If it went in, great. If it went out, that was okay too, because it, then it meant I didn't have to run anymore for the rest <laughs> of the point. Um, but just really trying to pick my shots. Uh-huh. Um, and then I think Lendl, obviously he knew that I was hurting, and I think his strategy was basically from then on out was just to try to keep me out there for as long as he could, mm-hmm. thinking that I would just tumble over and, and uh, you know, not be able to play anymore. Um, you know, the funny things were that the times that I really started to struggle and I had difficulties, I remember one particular point I was, uh, uh, Lendl had an ad point, and I went over to hit a, a very difficult backhand. I slid out to hit it, and I started to cramp. Uh, the cramp just, you know, stuck in my calf, and I started to limp back to the middle of the court. Hmm. And um, Lendl saw me limping and then subsequently missed the next forehand wide. 
Um, so I started thinking, <laughs> oh man, I need a little bit of a of a break here, right? So he goes up and he hits the next serve down the middle. The linesman calls it out, and then before you know it, he's he's looking at the line and he starts questioning the line call. And so they bring in the other umpire. And before I know it, I got I got an extra like two minutes <laughs> of of break, which I really needed after mm-hmm. that point because the cramp was just stuck in my calf. So you know, I just look at all of these little situations and hmm. scenarios, and I. I it's mind-boggling to think that, um, you know, how all these things kind of work together. Um, you know, and God has his purpose for doing things. He really just does it in an incredible way. And, um, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's a great testament and a great reminder for me, the importance of being able to persevere, uh-huh. um, being able to pick myself back up uh, in life, because there will be situations in life where you will get knocked down. You're listening to The Story. Today, tennis great Michael Chang is chatting with Eric Scadabo. We just heard about his historic victory over Ivan Lendl in the 1989 French Open. Next, we'll hear more about his faith and about his heart for sharing the good news of Jesus in China. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with tennis great Michael Chang sharing his life journey and about the role his faith has played in his life. Michael was born in the United States and is of Chinese descent. Next, he'll share more about his tennis career and about the importance of his Chinese heritage. Then, of course, your life completely changed after that, I imagine. The youngest ever Grand Slam champion and uh, the youngest French Open winner, and no American had won that for several years before that. So how did your life change? Well, um, it was different all of a sudden. You know, you're 17 years old, and and before, you know, everyone's mentality is like, oh, don't lose to a 17-year-old kid. (laughs) Uh, But after the French Open, everyone, you know, his mentality changed to, you know, from that to all of a sudden, like, wow, it's an opportunity to beat a a Grand Slam champion. Hmm. Um, So the pressure really changed. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it went from always being on my opponent to all of a sudden, you know, the pressure being on me because I was the one that was expected to win. Uh, it was okay. not an easy transition to make. Uh, certainly, I started to think that, well, I should be winning every other tournament. And, and strangely enough, the, the French Open was only my second tournament victory that I've ever had in my career. Hmm. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I had to, to, to make some adjustments. Certainly, you know, some adjustments in, in time management, um, knowing where my priorities were. Um, you know, I got a lot more requests for, for interviews and, and press conferences and stuff like that. And, um, you know, being one of the best players in the world in any sport, um, you need to be able to have a balance in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what happens off the court will also translate to what happens on the court. And, um, you know, you can't just be the best tennis player in the world and expect to be number one. You have to be able to handle, you know, the outside pressures that come with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pressures that um, are from the public, pressures that are from the press, maybe from sponsors, you know, different different little things, and maybe even most the most pressure you could possibly sometimes get is the is how much pressure you put upon yourself. Mm-hmm. 
So it was really a whole new ball game from there, and it took me a while to be able to define where I was comfortable, what I knew worked for me, and to be able to stick with that. And what role did your faith play in helping you get through the pressure? I think for me, um, you know, certainly my, my relationship with the Lord was um, was very, very helpful in keeping things um, very grounded and keeping me grounded. Um, you know, I think in the eyes of the world, if you look at what, what people define as success, it would generally be speaking be um, things that are um, monetarily involved, mm-hmm. um, you know, a very you know, somebody who's wealthy, somebody maybe who's famous, somebody who is, um, you know, gets a lot of uh, notoriety. You know, so in the eyes of the world, um, you know, I could very well easily say that I was a success. But I learned very early on because I, be- I became a Christian my my rookie year, the year before, mm-hmm. um, when I was 16 years old. So that in itself uh, helped me to realize why I had this talent uh, what I was to to use it for, mm-hmm. and what my purpose was really, as far as being a professional tennis player, and so when all of those things happened, um, I realized that those were certainly blessings from the Lord, but those were actually also tools to be able to be used to go out and glorify the Lord, um, to be able to help people to know uh, of His love, and to be able to help people to know of His of His grace and His mercy, um, and for other people to be able to experience, you know, that kind of peace in their life. Um, you know, I've always said that people will forget great wins. They'll forget forehands and backhands hmm. and great serves and great points. But if you touch a person's life, particularly for Christ, it will stay with that person not only through the rest of this life, but on into eternity. And that, that is so much more. That is so much greater than, than any tournament victory and any French Open and any Grand Slam um, and than any ranking you could ever possibly get. Um, mm-hmm. You know, tennis for me has, has been uh, the platform you know, that the Lord has given me to be able to make an impact and touch lives and touch hearts. You know, looking back, it's that's what's been exciting. It's been a, a joy to be able to do that then, and it's a joy to be able to do that now. And you went on, of course, to be one of the most successful tennis players in the 90s and rising to the rank of number two in the world. I don't know who was number one. Uh, Sampras, Pete Sampras. Oh, okay. But you you beat him several times, didn't you? Yeah, actually, I grew up playing with Pete. The first time we played together when we were eight years old, because we both grew oh, up wow. in California. Yeah, so we go back a long ways. Okay, but but now that you had that platform of success, you were able to do some charity work. Could you tell us about some of the things that you got involved in? Um, well, you do different, a lot of different kinds of charity works. Um, you know, certainly, you know, you feel like you've been really blessed in many ways through the sport of tennis and and you have opportunities to give back in in various ways uh you know one example is actually in hong kong we had started a um an inner city kind of tennis program Mm -hmm. um which actually ended up to be um first few years where it was funded um and then after that actually got picked up by one of my sponsors um uh, procter and gamble Mm -hmm. uh, because i had endorsed a um uh, a shampoo over there called rejoice and, um, you know, I think being involved in different kinds of, of charities and certainly different kinds of things that are really, you know, close to your heart, um, you know, is, is rewarding. You know, like I said, you, you have an opportunity to make a difference in people's mm-hmm. lives. And, and I think especially when it comes to, to young people and to children, because you realize that they're the ones that are really the next generation. You know, they're the ones that are going to be able to, to really, you know, change the world in many, many ways. And, and sometimes they just need to know it. You know, you have an opportunity to be able to help them to realize that 
Um, each one of them is special. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way that they look, the way that they are, their personality, you know, no two people are alike in that regard. And for them to be able to recognize that, for them to be able to recognize that God has given, you know, each one of us uh, um, a talent. Sometimes he's given us multiple talents. And, uh, and we're to use that for, you know, for a greater benefit than, than just for ourselves. Wondering if you could share with us about being of Chinese descent and the role that you've played when you go back to Asia. I have to say that um, whenever I go back to Asia, um, certainly to, uh, you know, back to Hong Kong, back to China, I, I feel like I am very much at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I was born here in the United States, I'm, I'm very much, you know, I'm very much Chinese and, uh, you know, generally Chinese before anything else. And, mm-hmm. Uh, just as far as how I live, um, you know, things that I eat. I mean, I'll, I'll go over there to, to China, and like some of the people that I play with out there on tour will be like, "Oh, Michael, you know, where where are you going to eat? What are you eating?" and stuff like that. And I'll be eating all these like different things and weird things, and they won't even know what it is. Hmm. Um, you know, for me, it's a, it's not an adjustment that I need to make. And the one thing that I I always walk away with whenever I come back from Asia is, is really the warmth of the people, hmm. especially the people in China. And um, that is something that has really touched my heart uh, over the years, and, and one of the reasons I think I've done so well, um, so so well over there in China and in Asia, because I get a tremendous amount of support. Um, I get a tremendous amount of encouragement from the people there to go out and to to play great tennis. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, for me, it's just uh, I feel very much at home there. You know, that was a goodwill ambassador for um, for China to get the bid. Uh, for, hmm. to host the um, the Olympic Games in 2008, and part of that reason was because I, I got a chance to see China, um, you know, through so many years, and I got a chance to see how China has really changed. Uh, I think I'm one of the few athletes that has been to China every single year since since uh, you know 1988. Hmm. Um, to be able to have that kind of experience to see how it, the place has changed is, I think, in many ways, a very powerful uh, testament. Now, exciting things are happening in China, as you mentioned. Also, we're hearing about the tremendous growth of Christianity. Are you in contact with some of your fellow Christians in China? Yes, I've, I've actually done some things over there. Um, you know, certainly my speaking engagements. You know, obviously I had a, an opportunity to be able to um, to talk about tennis and to talk about my family, but uh, you know, certainly also a, a wonderful opportunity to be able to um, to talk about my faith and and to be able to share what Christ has done. Um, in and through my life, and it's been wonderful, uh, wonderful to be able to, to have that opportunity, and and like you said, you know, Christianity is certainly growing in, in China, and, and um, you know, it's wonderful to see, and I know that uh, people are continuing to, um, to try to get, you know, really good, um, uh, solid teaching there, solid theology and doctrine, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's just encouragement to be able to see, um, you know, Christianity really grow and make a difference in the lives of the people there. Um, you know, for them to go out and have the mentality of being able to, uh, you know, not only love the Lord, your God, but to be able to love all people um, mm-hmm. and be able to express that love and that kindness in a way that is Christ-centered is uh, is truly wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, China is a wonderful place, and and uh, you know, it's a place that uh, I think many people say um, probably the last place that that really needs to be hit hard with with the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's wonderful to be able to. Um, to hear about the great things that are going on and uh, and to be a part of that and um, is exciting. We'll see what the what the Lord has planned in all of it. Mm-hmm. And finally, what else is happening in your life now that you've retired from tennis? 
um, I'm also going part-time school um, at uh, Talbot uh, School of Theology, and I'm also actually doing quite a few different things with our Family Foundation. Uh, we do it a lot of different ministries. Uh, right now we're actually concentrating on a sports ministry that we're trying to get started uh, down here in Southern California. We've actually had it up and going for the past uh, four and a half years up in Seattle, um, which has done very, very well, and now we're looking to expand uh, expand that down here. So, um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of fun things going on, and and um, you know, I thought that maybe after I retired, I, I would do less travel, and and maybe it wouldn't be as busy. But um, in some ways, it's been a little bit busier, hmm. uh, which has been been great. Um, you know, I've enjoyed it and, and met some wonderful people along the way, and and it's great to be able to um, you know make partnerships and and meet people that are like minded and, and have the same passion. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was tennis great Michael Chang sharing his life journey and what a journey it has been. When he won the 1989 French Open at 17, he became the youngest men's single champion of any Grand Slam event. But as we heard, instead of using his newfound fame to simply enrich himself, he has gone on to use it as a platform for helping others and spreading his faith around the world, particularly in China, the country of his ancestors. As the Bible says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others above yourself, not looking to your own interests but to the interests of the others. To find out more about Michael Chang and what he's up to these days, his website is mchang.com. That's mchang.com. Well, thanks for joining us for some tennis talk with Michael Chang today. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. The first contact I get from Minna, she sent me a message saying, you know, basically you don't know what you're talking about, you know, and, in a, in a polite southern way, and I, and I just, I wrote back, I said, you know, well, thanks for writing, you know, you're entitled to your wrong opinion, um, have a nice life. Then she wrote back and said, oh, can we keep emailing? And I'm thinking, what for? I haven't got a persecution complex. Tony Gunter is a truck driver from Brisbane, and Minna is a southern belle from South Carolina. How do they meet and marry? And what are they passionate about going forward? We'll hear their unique romantic story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.